0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another video here on Financial Friends. Today we're discussing Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve, Kroger Albertsons, and Sam Bankman Fried. Before we dive into the video, hit that like button down below. It's free and will not get rug pulled like Sam Bankman Fried and FTX. Thank you very much. Let's dive right into the stories. Fed Chair Jerome Powell says that smaller interest rate hikes could start in December. This is pretty big news. I know that if you listen every single week, you'll know we discussed pretty much this exact same thing last week. But this time, we're adding one new critical component that I didn't discuss last time. To get through everything that you might already know, the Federal Reserve... Uh, Chairman Jerome Powell spoke Wednesday at Brookings Institution in D.C. and addressed these future rate increases head on, basically saying, quote, despite some promising developments, we have a long way to go in restoring price stability. He then confirmed that the Fed would start to potentially scale back these rates as soon as December saying, quote, the time for moderating the pace of increases may come as soon as the December meeting, end quote. He then said, of course, quote, it is likely that restoring price stability will require holding policy at a restrictive level for some time. History cautions strongly against prematurely loosening policy. We will stay the course until the job is done, end quote. I know that was a lot. Let's dive through it. First things first, despite these potential signs of information and data and news and yada, yada, yada. We get it. It's going to take time to restore price stability. Inflation is still not where they want it. It's still not back to that 2% level. My guess is it's probably not going to hit that level anytime soon. And so they're reassuring the point that, look, yes, we might be discussing that we're going to kind of pull back these rates a little bit, but we're committed to the task at hand. Next point, The time for moderating the rate of these increases might come as soon as the December meeting. This is the headline. This is the story. This is what made the stock market kind of rally. As soon as he said things, you can check out that blog, basically the blog article I'm kind of touching on, reading from here. You can find it in my Twitter bio. You can find it at public, at Brennan Shima, whatever you want to do. But uh, this jump in the market, it happens as soon as he started saying these things. Why? Well, one, because people found out information about what was going on. They knew or they confirmed what they thought they knew. But the second component of that is we decided to opt or Fed Chair Jerome Powell and his team decided to opt for something that was a little less than what they've been doing and a little less than what people have been planning for. A 0.75% increase is probably what everybody expected. It's what's happened the last three to four times. But this 0.5% increase means, okay, we're tapering back about 0.25%. We understand that the lagging effects of what we've been doing are going to come into play a little bit later on down the road, and we don't want to throw the entire economy into a recession. Why does this matter? It matters because what's going to happen is as these rate increases stack up, this is exactly what we discussed last week on this topic, it's going to begin to hit people. Their credit card rates, this is the easiest one that I like to use, are going to go up. That means the payment they have to make to the credit card company, to the bank, whatever it might be, that payment is going to go up. Well, what happens? Let's say you have a savings of $10,000 and you can kind of fend off these higher payments for a while. At some point, you're going to feel the effects of that. Your savings is going to go from 10000 to 5000 to 3000 as you make these payments month over month over month over month. And as the Federal Reserve continues to raise and raise and raise and raise, those payments only go higher and higher and higher. And so there's going to be a tipping point where they continue to raise everybody in the economy. And of course, not all at once, but in general, the economy kind of snaps and it falls into this free fall where everybody is struggling. Everybody is trying to cut costs. Companies are trying to cut costs. People are getting fired. And we kind of run into a massive recession. Well, we've already seen some good signs. Inflation kind of downward a little bit, we you know it, it ticked down, it also came in below expectations, we're seeing some good job numbers, we're seeing headlines of a lot of companies letting people go, so we're kind of meeting this premature tipping point. And the reason I call it premature is, it's not the real tipping point, but it's the tipping point before the tipping point. Meaning, if they continue to put pressure on the economy from this point forward, that tipping point might come sooner or harder than expected but if they start to taper back now so let's start to kind of slowly pivot and change the narrative what they might do is avoid the massive impending recession that everybody is discussing and talking about and so this is why i feel now things are kind of like okay we're going to we're going to move this rate increase down a little bit but we're still going to keep raising interest rates because we know inflation's too high and it's this delicate balancing act of making sure everybody knows inflation will be heading back to 2% and we're not trying to tip the economy into recession at the same time. Very, very delicate. And this holding period, this we don't want to start to decrease rates sooner than expected. We're going to stay the course until the job is completely done. That's this narrative of, look, we understand that we're going to get to a, a mark where we feel that everything is restrictive. It's you know a good rate. We're going to hold it there. And when we think we need to put it back down, we're going to hold it just a little bit longer to make sure because prematurely loosing that in history has told us some relatively bad things. And of course, I also mentioned in the article, basically, listeners can take away the Fed seems to think that these lagging effects of rate increases have yet to been felt by the actual economy. And the Fed is backing off slightly while they still can. And this backing off does not mean backing down. This has been made extremely, extremely clear and markets rallied on the news. Next story here, Kroger and Albertsons CEOs defend the grocery tie-up. Essentially, Kroger announced a merger with them and Albertsons for $24.6 billion. Kroger will be swallowing up Albertsons um, and the really, public didn't really love the idea of this now it comes at a relatively bad time again inflation is high food prices are going up and on tuesday the two grocery giants announced their intentions behind that merger obviously these are two corporations their goal is to make profits kroger and albertson's both agreed that the merger will allow the more sizable company once the two come together to lower prices improve the customer experience and then stay competitive at a time when online shopping is forcing companies to kind of reinvent themselves. These are the three crucial components. Now the CEO for Albertson said, quote, the marketplace for groceries over the past decade has completely transformed making the competition for consumers fierce. The best way to compete with mega stores like Walmart and highly capitalized online companies like Amazon will be through a merger with Kroger. Of course, On site of saying this is going to spark some controversy. Union workers, politicians, other grocery store CEOs have all came out and essentially said, Look, we get it, you're trying to raise prices. They argue that the deal is nothing but a ploy to do that, to raise prices, and of course, as I mentioned, improve profits. They state that by reducing competition, these parties will or these parties claim that by reducing the competition, Kroger will be able to then kind of increase already high food prices because they have more of the market share. And to that, I say, yeah, that's exactly what they want to happen. They want to increase market share so they can increase profits. But the one key component of that is do they want to raise prices? Because by nature, getting larger, you have more scale, you drive efficiencies because you have more scale that is going to reduce the overall costs for Kroger the cost of acquiring apples, bananas, when you can order at larger scale, be more efficient, you can produce more profits, you can cut down on your costs, but that doesn't mean you have to raise prices. It's really gonna be up to the business leaders, the CEO, the CFO, the CMO, all of these you know big heads at these two companies, or at least at Kroger, if they do merge, to decide what to do with that extra margin. They could pass that savings on to the consumer, or they can continue to raise prices because now they have a little bit more leeway to see a little bit less demand and can continue to raise those prices and keep margins large. Now, Kroger, Albertsons, grocery stores as a whole don't really run on big margins. It's probably part of the reason Kroger wants to do this deal, Albertsons as well. When your margins are 3% at max and 1% at the low, sometimes 0.8, 0.5% overall. That means they're doing like billions and billions of dollars every single quarter, and they're coming out with millions of dollars every single quarter. I believe net income for this quarter came in at like 340 something million, and they did 34 billion or something like that in revenue. So that's like a 1% margin on 30 something billion dollars. Of course, they're gonna wanna increase those profits they're not charging absorbently high amounts. However, they are keeping pace with the rest of the world and that means prices are going higher. And for that exact reason, I see why people don't want this to go through. They don't want Kroger to have more market share, meaning they can continue to charge increased prices because they have dominance, they have efficiencies, and not get any of that savings passed back to the consumers at a time when they could really, really use it. I see both sides of the coin here. In my heart of hearts i would love to see this go through i'm kind of a fan of larger companies with big efficiencies however as a consumer if those prices are going to go up i don't want to see it and as an observer i don't believe it will go through i think that there'll be something in something somewhere and a person's going to find it and they're going to let it be known that this cannot should not or will not happen that's just my personal belief as I mentioned I do want to see it go through. The argument that Kroger and Albertsons have is a really really strong one considering they go up against a lot of competition. I mean there's Publix in Florida which is a relatively, you know, sizable grocery store, Aldi is emerging, Walmart's always been there, Target is continuing to build out their grocery lineup, Costco exists, Sam's Club which is a part of Walmart exists, Amazon exists. They have a lot of competition. Them merging I don't think is going to reduce competition more than it really already is in a ton of other industries but it will be yet to seen and of course it will be covered here on this week in finance and the last story i call him the man the myth the legend at this point he just can't seem to get out of the limelight mr sam bankman free did his first interview or large-scale interview i should say and things got interesting fdx alameda research both Sam Bankman-Fried's companies and the man, the myth, the legend himself, Sam Bankman-Fried, have literally not been able to get out of the limelight since all of the news broke early November. He did his first interview, as previously mentioned, with Andrew Sorkin from CNBC, and he did this at the New York Times Deal Book Summit. Sorkin continued to press Sam Bankman-Fried on numerous issues, but of course, the largest issue of them all: the commingling of customer funds. This really seemed to be the center of the discussion. And the former CEO, Sam mcminn repeatedly apologized throughout the interview for everything that has transpired. And he also said he never intended to commit fraud or use customer funds to make leveraged bets with Alameda, which was exactly what was going on. And I find it pretty odd that he couldn't know this. And he actually admitted he didn't know it. He said, "And quote, I didn't know exactly what was going on, I learned a lot of these things as they were going on, end quote. There were some other topics discussed that I'm not really going to dive into here, such as his political donations and his push for the regulation of the cryptocurrency space. Now, I want to make some some thoughts here, some opinions here. The way that things went down, there's a couple of options. There's a couple of things that could have been happening. We're going to run through them really quickly. These are all, again, personal opinion. Number one, the government, everybody else, Gary Gensler, they're tied in somehow. They're supporting this, they're allowing this to go on, they're watching from a distance and someone is benefiting from it somewhere. That's option number one. Option number two is Sam Bigman fried was acting alone but was able to use his knowledge of where people were in powerful positions, just kind of navigate the space. And he was trying to commit some form of fraud the entire time and was essentially using his poor management of his company to hide the fact that he was ever doing it just in case something like this were to happen. And option number three, he was genuinely trying to run a profitable and good business, was trying to be fair, and is just so bad at managing businesses, companies and people that he actually and genuinely had literally no clue what was happening at any point and ran everybody's money into the ground. Those are the three options conspiracy theory with politicians and the government involved. Basically, Sam Bigman Freed trying to be a con artist and just being really bad at managing business to hide it. Or number three, really bad at business. Which of the three do I think it is? I don't know. Honestly, I think all three could be happening at the exact same time if I'm being honest. I don't know. I don't know how anyone's going to prove this. If powerful people in high up places were working with him, I don't know how the truth is ever gonna come out. If he was really that bad at managing the business, he's gonna take the fall for it, I think. I don't think that you can willingly sign documents and papers and go to Congress and donate money and do all of these things and genuinely be that bad at business without having to take the fall for losing billions and billions of people's dollars. And if he was trying to commit fraud, And they're able to find that out, which at this point, it's pretty blatantly obvious that very fraudulent things happened. Now, whether he did those on purpose or not, if he was doing them, he's caught red-handed. So I want you to tell me what you think about this entire situation down below of my three things, which do you think it is, or throw in a fourth, throw in your opinion as well. I'd love to hear it. Let me know also, do you think the Kroger and Albertsons deal will go through, and lastly, What about the Federal Reserve and interest rate hikes? Do you think that they're gonna raise 0.5 or are they gonna rug pull us and go up to 0.75 or miraculously drop down to 0.25? Let me know all of that down below in the comments. I do appreciate your viewership. Thank you very much for spending some time with me on this Sunday or whatever day of the week you watched it. Hope you have an amazing day. Don't forget to hit subscribe and I'll see you all in the next one. Take care.